0: Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, have you ever prayed the prayer that Isaiah prays? This is a question I found myself asking as I was uh, was preparing our sermon today. Have you ever prayed the prayer that Isaiah prays uh, in the first reading uh, that you just heard? And uh, and to show you what I'm talking about, uh, I'm going to ask you to grab your bulletins, uh, to pull them out, and uh, and open up to page three. About halfway down this page, uh, you're going to find today's first reading, And then I'm going to ask you to do something I don't know I've ever asked you to do before. I'm going to ask you to read verses 1 and 2 out loud with me. So uh, Isaiah 64, uh, verses 1 and 2. I'm trusting you're there. Uh, Let's read them together. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Have you ever prayed a prayer like this? A prayer of frustration? A prayer of anger? Uh, perhaps above all, a prayer of desperation. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. You see, it was, uh, it was about a month uh, before Andrea and I moved back to St. Louis, a little over five years ago. And uh, that seems kind of crazy now. It was about a month before we moved back to St. Louis uh, that I found myself praying a prayer like this. It was, uh, it was a Sunday morning uh, after our late service, and I am greeting people out in the lobby uh, outside of our sanctuary, and, uh, and this woman named Andy pulls me aside. What need you to know about Andy. is Andy, uh, Andy helped lead one of the, uh, the support groups at our church, a support group for people who were experiencing a variety of different health concerns, and every so a- often, Andy would pull me aside, and she would say, you know, Pastor Steve, uh, I think you need to go talk to so-and-so. And on this particular Sunday, uh, she pulled me aside uh, to do just that. Uh, there's a woman, she said to me, and uh, and she's a Christian, uh, but she doesn't have a church, and uh, and she's been coming to our support group. And that's when she tells me uh, that this woman uh, is in a lot of pain, and uh, I think you should talk with her. Now, what I didn't realize in that moment uh, was just how much pain. This woman was in, you see her name was uh, Candy, short for Candice, and uh, she got in a really bad car accident a few years back, and, and, and that car accident had led to uh, a bunch of surgeries, one of which had gone horribly wrong. And uh, what that meant for Candy is uh, that when I, I went to go meet her and talk with her a couple of days later, uh, and I walked into her living room, she wasn't really sitting in her chair, uh, but she wasn't really standing up. Instead, uh, she was rocking back and forth on the edge of her chair, one foot out in front of her and, and one foot out to the side. And as I entered the room, she says to me, rocking helps distract me from the pain. These are the first words she says to me. Rocking helps distract me from the pain. And, and so I sit down, and, and that's when she tells me about the car accident. And, uh, and that's when she tells me about the doctor who said that he could help I've got this device, that's what the doctor said to me. I've got this device, and I'm gonna put it in your back, and it is gonna take the pain away. And she says, you know, it, it sounded almost too good to be true, but, but when you're in pain, you'll do almost anything to make it go away. And, and so she tells me how she had this surgery, and then she tells me how it didn't make the pain go away. Instead, it made it even worse. So much worse that uh, eventually she goes to see another doctor, and that doctor has the difficult job of telling her uh, that the first doctor messed up, that that he shouldn't have done this surgery, and what he did do didn't go the way it should have. From there, uh, her story gets pretty ugly. Uh, There's a lawsuit, and and Candy gets some money, uh, but as she says, you know, when you've got so much pain that you can't sleep at night... There is no amount of money that's going to fix that. And so a little over five years ago, I find myself uh, sitting in this woman's living room and, and I find myself praying a prayer like Isaiah prays. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Because this woman is in pain and because that doctor, that doctor messed her up. You know, what I'm going to guess is, uh, is that most of us uh, have been there before. And something happens to someone and, and you find yourself praying, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. I mean, you flip on the TV or you're, you're scrolling through the news and you discover something that's happened and you find yourself praying, oh, that you would rend the heavens. You know, I remember feeling this way uh, several years ago uh, when, uh, when ISIS was on that rampage in Iraq. A bunch of Egyptian Christians are dressed in orange jumpsuits. They're kneeling down in front of the camera. And, and that's uh, when the video cuts out. The announcer comes on he says, uh, we can't show you what happens next. And, uh, and you find yourself praying, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. You see, I'm going to guess uh, that we have all been there before. And it's uh, it's in a situation not so different from this uh, that we find Isaiah praying in today's reading. And, uh, and that's because we find Isaiah in a rather desperate situation. He's he's living in a desperate situation for two very particular reasons. You see, uh, the first of those reasons is that God's people are divided. The 12 tribes of Israel split in half, and and so what you have is a situation that's sort of like uh, the civil war in our country, except everything's turned upside down, uh, because in Isaiah's day, the north secedes from the south. And so that's the first thing, uh, but the even more significant thing has to do with the superpower of the day, a place called Assyria and its king, uh, a guy by the name of Sennacherib. And Sennacherib, is, uh, he's bloodthirsty and, and vicious. I mean, in Isaiah's day, he's already conquered the northern ten tribes of Israel, and now he's making his way south. And, and all of this brings us back to Isaiah. He's living in the southern kingdom, and, and he's a prophet. And so his job is to deliver God's message uh, to God's people. And, uh, and that's why most of what you'll find in the book of Isaiah is, uh, is a message like that. But that's not what's going on in today's reading. You see, every so often, uh, Isaiah will deliver a message, a prayer, back to God. And that, that is what's going on in today's reading. I mean, God's people are under attack. The northern kingdom has been destroyed. The southern kingdom has been weakened. And now the Assyrian army is knocking at the door. And they've they've already conquered a, a few towns in northern Judah. And everyone knows... That Jerusalem might just be next. And that, that is when Isaiah remembers what God did in the past. He remembers that, uh, that God's people were slaves in Egypt and yet they cried out to God. And, uh, and when they cried out to God, God, God heard their cries and he remembered his covenant and And he came down to act, and it had this effect because eventually God's enemies, God's adversaries, the Egyptians, they quaked in his presence. And that's what the ten plagues did. And so now, 700 years later and 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah prays. He prays, oh, that you would rend the heavens, tear them open, come down and act. Now, before we get any further uh, in today's reading, I want you to know two things uh, about the kind of situations that lead to prayers like this. And, uh, and the first thing about uh, the kind of situations uh, that lead to prayers like this is that in situations like this, God actually gives us something to do. And, uh, and that something is called Lament. And, uh, and it's what Isaiah's doing in today's reading. And, and lament is this way of, of voicing our concerns to God. And, uh, and sometimes those concerns are regret. Sometimes those concerns are disappointment. Sometimes those concerns are complaint. I mean, oh Lord, the Assyrian army is about to destroy us. Uh, Or, Lord, faithful followers of Jesus are being martyred. Or, or Lord, this doctor messed up Candy's back. Come down and act. And it's in moments like this that that God gives us lament. This way of voicing our concerns to him because he wants to hear them. So that's the first thing I want you to know about the kind of situations that lead to prayers like this. Um, The second thing is this. Uh, In situations like this, uh, God also invites us to take a step back and reflect. And uh, and to show you what I'm talking about, uh, I want you to Grab your bulletin, and uh, I want you to look back at uh, our first reading uh, in Isaiah 64. Uh, This time, I'm not going to ask you to read out loud, but I am going to ask you to look down at verse 5. And uh, in verse 5, it comes to us in two parts. You see, the first part, uh, Isaiah says, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. And as, uh, as you read these words, as you pray this prayer, uh, you probably find yourself nodding along. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Lord. You do do that. But you see, uh, that's when there's this shift in this prayer. And, uh, and the shift is a shift from the things that will get us from the outside to the stuff that gets us from the inside. You see, Isaiah continues, he says, uh, But when we continued to sin, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us to waste away because of our sins. You see, there's this shift in Isaiah's prayer from the stuff that's going to get us from the outside to the stuff that's going to get us from the inside. You see, all the while, we've been, uh, we've been calling on God to, to come down and act, to rescue us from our adversaries, our, our enemies. But then we're forced to face the reality that we're broken. And um, we're sinful. And we're part of the problem, too. I know many years ago, uh, a British paper uh, by the name of the Daily News... Uh, published a series of articles on the problems in our world today. Everything from uh, stuff going on in politics to, uh, uh, to to the recent natural disasters. And at the end of each of these articles, uh, their authors all concluded with the following question: uh, They would end their articles by saying, uh, "What is wrong with the world today?" As you can probably imagine, uh, the editor of this newspaper received all sorts of responses from his readers, and it it sort of begs the question how uh, people like you or people like me respond to this question today. I mean, what is wrong with our world today? Well, on August 16th, uh, 1905, uh, the great Christian writer and apologist, uh, G.K. Chesterton, decides to answer this question. And, uh, and so he sits down and he writes a letter uh, to the editor, and, and his response is uh, both simple and succinct. He writes Dear editor, what's wrong with the world today? I am. Faithfully yours, G.K. Chesterton. You see, uh, Chesterton writes what, uh, what Isaiah prays. What's wrong with the world today? I am. And uh, you are. And what they, uh, what they both show us is that any lament we make eventually leads us to this place. Because we're broken and sinful. And uh, we're part of the problem too. For Isaiah, this, uh, this eventually leads him to ask the question, uh, how then can we be saved? And, uh, and the answer to that question uh, involves the recognition that there is nothing that we can do to be saved, nothing that we can do uh, to save ourselves. I mean, even identifying all of the problems in our world today isn't going to save us because we are part of the problem too. And, and so the hope we have isn't found there. It's actually found in, uh, in verse 8. Isaiah writes, uh, oh Lord, you are our father. And our father is just. I mean, he cares about sin and and he isn't going to ignore it. But he also loves us. He loves us so much that he isn't going to let things stay this way. And so 2,000 years ago, uh, our Father tore open the heavens and then he sent his Son to come down among us. And and there was justice. I mean, that's what happened on the cross. Uh, Justice happened. It just wasn't directed at us because Jesus stepped in the way. He stepped in the way for all the times that we point the finger at someone else when that finger should also be pointing at us. And so if you want to know what's wrong with the world today, the answer is simple. G.K. Chesterton tells us, I am, and you are. Uh, Now, some of you may have noticed uh, that our sanctuary uh, looks a little different today uh, than it did a week ago. And part of that uh, has to do with the fact uh, that we've started decorating for Christmas, and if you helped out with this last week, uh, you did a fabulous job. I tried not to touch any of the ornaments as they went on the trees, and they look beautiful uh, because of the folks who put them up. You see, uh, there's uh, one more thing uh, that looks a little different in our sanctuary, and it has nothing to do with the Christmas decorations and everything to do with the colors. See, the colors in our sanctuary, the colors of... uh, our stoles, mine kind of works this way. Pastor Mike's is a little bit better. And our vestments, these are the banners that, uh, that we hang up in the sanctuary. Uh, they change from green uh, to blue. And they change colors uh, because we find ourselves, as Carly alluded to, in a different season of the church year. And, uh, and that season is Advent. And uh, one, of the se- uh, one of the themes that we associate uh, with the season of Advent is, uh, is hope. And somewhere along the way, I have no idea how this happened. somewhere along the way, uh, the color blue got associated with the theme of hope, and so we started wearing blue during the season of Advent. Uh, but what you may not know is uh, that the color blue is not the only color that's associated with Advent. That's because uh, the color purple is also associated with the season of Advent, and if you are a little liturgically nerdy, uh, like your pastor is, Uh, then you know that that is also a color that is associated with the season of Lent and the theme of repentance. And if you're anything like me, the first time I learned this, maybe that seems a little strange to be thinking about as we get ourselves ready for Christmas, but there's this connection. Because the hope we have always starts with the recognition that we're broken. We're sinful. And we're part of the problem, too. And yet God, God isn't willing to let things stay this way. And so he comes. He comes to do something about our brokenness. He comes to do something about our sin. He comes to do something about that problem without wiping us away. And the hope we have is that's exactly what he did. 2,000 years ago on a cross outside of Jerusalem, Jesus died to take your sins away. And the beautiful thing is that is not the only hope we have because Jesus doesn't just come once. I mean, he's also going to come again. And when he does, he's going to make all things right. And Isaiah says, as he says, the nations, they're going to tremble. And all of the sin and all of the brokenness and all of the pain and all the hurt, all of it, all of it is going to be wiped away. And until that day comes... God gives us two things to do. He invites us to lament. But he also invites us to reflect. To reflect on all the ways that we point the finger at someone else. When that finger should also be pointing at us. And it's from this place of repentance that he gives us hope. As he shapes and molds us. Just like a potter shapes and molds the work of his hands. Making us ready. Using us always and forgiving us daily until Jesus returns. And so that, that is the hope we have on the first Sunday in Advent, as we give thanks for our God who comes down among us. In the name of Jesus, amen.